Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, you look good today. Just turn to somebody and say, he's talking about me. Go ahead and tell him right now. That's right. You look good. It's so good to see you. We're so glad that you are here today. Uh, before I get into the message, I just want to say again, thank you so much. Uh, uh, you guys have been writing those cards and, and the gifts and stuff. I just want to say thank you from Rhonda and I's heart uh, for uh, the things you've done this month for Pastor's Appreciation Month. I want to say thank you. And then also I want to ask your prayer uh, for prayer. Uh, Rhonda's grandmother passed away Friday night suddenly. So uh, anyways, we've got uh, that funeral and so forth this week. But just pray for her family. They're a super, super close family and it's very difficult on them. So anyways, so thank you for that. Well, let's get into the message again. We're doing a series called Get Dressed. We're talking about the armor of God. But I want to tell you that I found out that shoes matter. Do you agree with that? Shoes matter. I didn't know this because, listen, I'm a pretty simple guy. I grew up pretty simple. Like, you know, growing up, if you had a pair of jeans, a couple pair of jeans, and you had a couple t-shirts, and you had a pair of tennis shoes, and you had a pair of Sunday shoes, you're done. You know what I'm saying? That's it. And then I got married. Okay. And so once I got married, Rhonda, I had no idea that, you know, you needed a pair of shoes for everything that you wore. I had no idea. So like, you know, you go into our closet and you see that, you know, there's all shoes. So I would say that most of us in this room, most guys in here, if you share a closet with your wife, that our, their shoes outnumber ours greatly. Right, guys? Unless you're my friend Brandon Keller, who's sitting in this service right now. Uh, he has more shoes than anybody I know. But anyways, uh, you know, I'm just saying that, uh, that shoes matter. I, 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 I mean, your bling has just got, you know. And someone told me that when I got older. said, listen, Jeff, you've got to have on good shoes. Shoes talk about you. I'm like, really? He said, yeah, man. You want to make an impression? You've got to wear good shoes. And so anyways, uh, we've learned this, that shoes matter. And as we talk about the armor of God, again, we're going to talk about his, the body armor. We're talking about spiritual warfare. And uh, in Ephesians, we begin, as we've been going through this armor, we get back into it in Ephesians again. We're going to find out about the shoes are important as well. Look what it says. In Ephesians 6, again, we're reading from uh, the armor of God portion of Scripture. He says, Stand firm then with your belt buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet what? Fitted. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, as we show you a picture of this Roman soldier, again, we've shown you this every week. We're looking at his attire. And again, you cannot see his sandals that well, but he has these sandals on that actually have little hobnails in them. And they're spikes like, on a, uh, like a, an athlete would wear, you know, on a, a football field or baseball field or soccer field or something of that nature. And so that he can get traction. Not, he would not want to wear bowling shoes in the battle. 
And the reason this is so important, especially for the Roman soldier, is because, see, we think about battle as in our day, like there's machine guns. You know, you don't get that close to someone. They, 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 they take care of you at 200 yards out. Well, not in their day. They didn't have machine guns. They had bow and arrows. And then when they were out of arrows, it was hand-to-hand combat. So you had to have good footing. You had to have traction so that you could get, uh, you know, brace yourself and be prepared for the battle. Your legs were very important. Now, notice in that passage, he said you got to be fitted. It's important that you have the right shoes on. Rhonda and I learned this earlier uh, when our son was born. I don't know where he got it, but he got the widest feet. I can't believe I mean, like, you know, my feet are so slender and narrow, and Rhonda's is not wide either. But our son, when he was born, had these big feet, you know? Like, we started to go and put shoes on him, and you had to, we couldn't buy just regular shoes. We had to go to Stride Right. Anybody ever been to Stride Right? Okay, like million dollar right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, normally you go buy a kid pair of shoes, they're $10. You go to Stride Right, they're $75 or whatever back in the day. And so we had to buy those special shoes. Also, I would tell you that I learned this personally. Uh, a couple years ago, I was determined that I was going to do a half marathon. I signed up again. I don't, because I'm stupid, all right? I'm just nuts. But anyways... Uh, so I, I didn't know anything about running, so I went and just bought me a pair of shoes. Instead of being fitted, I bought a pair of tennis shoes, and I was running. And I got up to, I was proud of myself. I was up to about, you know, about seven miles, and I was doing so good. And all of a sudden, my left big toe exploded. And then I thought, well, well there's nothing I can do. I might as well keep going. And another half, then my right big toe exploded. It's like the blood built up under the nails, and it just exploded. And uh, I had two flat tires. That's what I had. <laughs> But I'm serious, and so I was like, what happened? So, I, so I, I began to do some research, and I found out that, you know, you have to be fitted because when you run, you know, for a period of time like that, that as you run, your feet swell. And so you have to get a shoe that's almost a size bigger than you normally wear to let your foot to have that room that it needs. So being fitted with shoes is important. Shoes are important. And if Paul is telling us that you had to have the right shoes on to be, to be able to brace yourself to be prepared for the battle, the spiritual battle. And those shoes that he's talking about are shoes of peace. So today as we jump into this, I want to tell you, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus picks up and he begins to teach us how to live in peace. And so I want to share these principles with you. So let's just look at Matthew 22 and 30, uh, 37 through 39. This is called the Great Commandment. And look what Jesus said. Jesus said, love the Lord your who? Your God, that's right, your God, with all your heart, heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your, as, love your neighbors yourself. Now, we begin to, to, this is peace. He said, if you want to live in peace, this is the way he described it. So today I want to take you on a journey. Let me just ask this question before I go any further. How many of you want to live in peace? Is there anybody that wants to live in peace? Okay, great. That's about 85% of us. The rest of you, God bless you, you know? Just live in torment. I don't care. But, you know, we all sort of want that living in peace moment. And so today, there's, I want to tell you, there's three ways that we're going to do this. We're going to learn it right from this passage. And here we go. So how to live a life of peace. The number one, would you write this down? The first thing I'd like for you to write down is be at peace with God. Be at peace with God. As you write that down, I want to tell you this is the greatest decision that you can ever make is to be at peace with God. 
Because, listen, the opposite of being at peace with God is being at war with God, right? And that's miserable. I mean, you know, when you, how does that work? Well, when you know what God says to do, and you choose to do the opposite, and that's what the enemy of your soul, the spiritual battle is, because the devil is always trying to get you to choose to do what's opposite of God. And when you do that, guess what? Not only are you making a mistake that's going to affect your life, but internally you're in turmoil. You're, you're miserable because there's no inner peace. Listen, you can never have peace when you're at war with the Prince of Peace. And so we have to choose to get on God's side through Jesus Christ. Another way that you can know that you're beginning to war with God is that whenever you begin to justify matters, you know, you say, I know what the Bible says, but. The moment you start showing your buts, It's a moment that you begin going over the edge. And so, really understand that I'm warring with God when I begin to do that. And so, today we want you to have peace. Now, the Bible says this. Jesus actually talks about this peace. Look what he says. In John 10 and 10, the Bible says, The thief comes, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and what? So that's what the devil's job is. Jesus warns us of that. He is to kill, he wants to kill, he wants to steal, he wants to destroy he wants to kill your marriage. He wants to destroy your faith. He wants to, he wants to take, take you down. That's his number one job. He's not your friend. But look what Jesus said his purpose was. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a what? Rich. Notice that. Rich and satisfying life. Now, let me explain rich. When I say the word rich in our culture today, everybody's like, okay, millionaire. No, 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 no. He's not talking about millionaire. There's many people that have millions that are miserable. Would you agree with that? The only problem with having a lot of money is you start worried about how, how to keep it, right? And some of you like, I don't have a clue about that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is so, so rich means being rich in character. Wouldn't, wouldn't you rather have people in your life that are rich in character that you could trust, that you believe in, than to have all the money in the world? Because if you don't trust them, you can have no relationship. So rich means being rich in character. Jesus said, I want you to have a, a rich life, one in character. And then satisfying life. What is a satisfying life? A satisfying life is one that has confidence in God. A satisfied life is this, is that I have a confidence in God. Matter of fact, I put this on the screen for you. I'd like for you to look up here, and it's on your outline as well. And it says this, living in peace is a, a confidence in God that will guide, protect, and provide. You see that? Let's, let's read this again together. Come on, it's on your outlines on the screen. Let's read it again. You ready? Living in peace is a confidence in God that he will guide, protect, and provide. Jesus brought this out very clearly. That's the one thing Jesus said, I've come to do is to guide, protect, and provide. And let's just, I'm going to show it to you right now. Are you ready? In John 14 and 6, look what it says. Who said? Jesus said. That's right. Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the what? Would you agree with me when someone is your way, they're your guide? Would you agree with that? Why don't you just write the word guide right up above, by that word way, right up above it. Jesus said, I am the way. And so we can write God there, right? Then Jesus said, I am the what? Truth, right? So would you say the word truth is a good way to say protect? Because if you know what not to do or you know what to do, that would protect you, right? I mean, would you agree? If you know the instructions to something that's dangerous, 
Like, you know what? How to handle a weapon. I mean, I think that's pretty important, right? To know that, okay, without a bullet in the gun, you know that it's okay. But when you put a bullet in the gun, then all of a sudden you need to know. There's things like that that you need to know when you're handling. And life is the most precious thing in the world. Would you agree with that? So Jesus said, you go know the truth. Let me just tell you something. When he's talking about the truth, he's talking about God's word. God's word is a greater protector than ADT. It keeps you from all kinds of things happening in your life. It's the greatest security system that you can have is God's word. And living by, and I can tell you, for over 30 years, it has kept me from, from doing things that would have caused damage to my life, maybe even got me put in prison or jail or, or divorced or, or all kinds of things. And so God's word is what protects so Jesus said that I'm here to guide, I'm here to protect, and then he said no, I'm the way, the truth, and the what? Life. So I would say that that is provide. I provide. Why don't you write that down? Guide, protect, provide. Guide, protect, provide. Jesus said I'm here to guide, protect, and provide. That's the point. Purpose. And so that gives me confidence in God. The satisfying life is having a confidence in God that God will guide, that God will protect, and God will provide. That's what we believe God for. And listen, that's what makes, as a believer, as a Christ follower, that's what sets you above everything else. When the world seems to be falling apart like it is now, you know, this election cycle is on us, and it's crazier than ever. And, and there's fear among a lot of people, but I can tell you, God is still on the throne. And what is God going to be doing after November the 8th? He's going to be guiding, protecting, and providing. What is he going to do 20 years from now? Guiding, protecting, providing. That's what God does. Amen? So, man, we have to do our part. We've got to trust God to do his part, right? And God guides, protects, and provides. Now, let me just say this to you. Whoa, whoa, wow. When you receive this, this confidence, it empowers you to take risk of faith. The problem in our culture today is that nobody, we're taught not to take any risk, you know. Like, don't, take, don't do anything, you know, out of the norm, whatever. Try to play defense constantly. constantly. And so, like, many times, like, our, our students that are graduating high school, they're, they're, they don't have the courage they're, they're, like, to go to college. It's scary, you know, like today in our culture, even getting married. I mean, people don't want to get married anymore. They say, you know, well, we'll just do everything that married people do, but we won't make the commitment. Why? We're scared. I'm like, listen, man, you're already doing it. Oh, but I'm scared. You see, and then even having children in our culture today, right? I mean, like, people are scared to death to have a child. My son, you know, he's like, he'll be 25 his birthday in February. And I was like, listen, son, it's about time to find Mrs. Wright. It's about time for, you know, start thinking about your mom and I some grandkids. Oh, I don't know about kids, Dad. They're a lot of trouble. I was like, yes, you were. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm glad you finally realized that. But it's worth it, right? I mean, like, what? listen. Life is not to be going through without any problems. No, life is investing in, and it's going through struggles. But the greatest thing is of all is that when you get older and you've had children, you know, or, or those around you, you know, and you can just look on that and say, you know what, I live because I love people. And so I'm telling you, our culture has made it sort of like anti-children, anti-marriage. I'm going to tell you, you're going to not know life. Move in confidence with God. And by the way, when are you ready to have a child? Never! 
You just do it, right? Okay, never mind. Can you tell I'm growing our children's department? Never mind. Look what Jesus said again, or actually John, the writer of John Gospel wrote this. In John 1 and 12, he said, But to all who believe him and accept him. Notice that, believe and accept. It's not that I just exist, but I accept that he's the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He gave them the what? The right. The right to become the children of God. What a right do you have as a child of God? You have a right that God will guide, that God will protect, and God will provide. As a father, as a father, I can tell you my number one responsibility, my responsibility as a father was to guide, protect, and provide, right? Your heavenly father, he's still on the throne, he's still doing his job, and his job is to guide, protect, and provide. And I just want to tell you, he's still up to it. You know, you look at the life of Jesus and there's times, would you say that when Jesus was on the cross and he was being murdered, that people would say, well, where's God forsaken him, right? Matter of fact, Jesus even said, my God, my God, why aren't I forsaken me? And some of you are in that moment right now, it seems like you're being crucified. But I want to tell you, listen, don't get discouraged. You keep your confidence up. Why? Because there was a third day. Remember, Jesus died on Friday, but on Sunday, there, it was only Friday, but Sunday came, right? And Jesus got up out of the tomb victorious. I'm telling you that it may be Friday in your life, but you just keep your hoping in God and believing in God because he will guide, protect, and provide. And it's only Friday, but Sunday's going to come. Amen? Amen? Amen, Pastor. You preach. I will. Yes, I will. I'll amen myself. That's okay. I'll do it. So what I want to tell you right now is that if you don't know Jesus, you, you know, if you, don't, you can't have a relationship with God and you can't have peace. You're going to be in turmoil constantly. And so I want to give you the opportunity right now, and inside of your program, there's a prayer. It's written for you. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. It helps lead you in that prayer to, for you to make that decision. We're not going to ask you to stand up, come forward, stand on your head, do cartwheels or anything like that. There's a card inside of your program. It's our connection card. We just ask you to check it on the back of your box if you pray that prayer so we can pray with you. It says, I'm, be, I'm becoming a Christ follower today. Okay, number two. Number two, if I want to live in peace, then, so I've got to be at peace with God, and then number two, it's got to be at peace with others. Would you write that down? Be at peace with others. I'm going to let you write that down, and then we're going to go right into the Bible. And I'm going to read something to you that, that you probably don't like and I don't like either. Romans, you ready? Romans 12 and 17. Let's just read what's underlined together. You ready? Come on, let's read it. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Now, if, if it was up to me, I'd just tear that right out of the Bible. I mean, what, I mean wouldn't you? I mean, I'm like, hey, you know, this turn the other cheek stuff, I don't really like it. Do, do you? I mean, come on now, you, you just take your halo and slide it under the seat just a moment. Because, you know, I really don't, I don't like that part. Because, you know, you hit me, I want to hit you back, right? Well, my grandmama taught me, she said, son, somebody hits you, now you hit them back. Your grandmama didn't teach you that way, but mine did. God's got a lot of work to get out of me, you know. But go, let's go, look what he says. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Now, notice this next phrase. If it is what? Circle that word, possible. As far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone, okay? So everything's not possible. I just want to tell you that, listen, as your part goes, he said, don't return to evil for evil, but remember this, as possible. That means that sometimes 
even though you do nothing to cause a conflict, there's somebody over here that's going to keep firing at you. And you, you can't do anything about that. He says, just watch how you fire back. You know, just make sure you're not provoking. Because sometimes it's impossible to live with some, at peace with some people. You agree with that? I mean, there, there's people in our families. There's people, you know, the, in our workplace. There's people at school. There's people in college. It's just difficult to do that with, right? I mean, some of us even, never mind, let's stop right there, Jeff. I about to say live with them, but I knew you'd start looking around. Don't do that, all right? So, <clears throat> He goes on to say, don't take revenge, my friend, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So I want to tell you two things to do in order to live at peace with other people, all right? The first thing is this, would you write this down? You've got to let go of this, you've got to let go of two things, and the first one is this, is retaliation. You've got to let go of retaliation. You have to let it go. If you're going to live at peace, you've got, you got to let go of this attitude of getting even. You know, again, that's, the, uh, that's, that's evil for evil, right? You hit me, I want to hit you back. And that's the way many of us were raised, many of us were taught that, you know. But God said, don't do that. Don't live that way, live differently. And then I would say the second thing is this. Oh, let me say something in retaliation. Some of you say, well, I don't, I don't sit around and plan how I can get them back. No, no, no. But you sure do hope they fail, don't you? Come on now. When someone has done something to you, and it seems like they're doing better, isn't it secretly easy to wish them bad? Like you hear something bad come their way, you know, inside of you go, uh, outside you go, oh, I hate to hear that, but inside you go, woo, yes. And so we've got to get rid of that, because as long as you got that, you're never going to get better. The second thing I would say, write this down, is resentment. Resentment. As you write that down, I want to tell you, resentment, how does resentment keep building? It builds bitterness in us, by the way. When you, the way that you keep resenting is that you keep replaying over and over what they did to you. That means that, that you start, you think about over and over what they did to you. And as you do that, you cannot help but to have this resentment toward them. And so we've learned that Jesus taught us you have to change the channel. And so he teaches us how to do that. And I want to teach you again, right from God's Word, what Jesus said as to how to stop this from happening. So, look at your outline with me. Matthew 5, 43. Again, Jesus talking here. Now, Jesus is about to say some stuff I don't like. All right, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like it. Look what he says. You've heard that the law says, love your enemy, I mean, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, I'm good with that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's the Old Testament. I'm like, hey, leave that one alone, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't leave it alone because he knows it doesn't produce peace. Then he goes on, then he gets on my toes and yours too. Look what he says. But I say, love your enemies and what? Pray for who? I got a problem with that. You do too. Somebody who's doing you bad and you're supposed to pray for them. I mean, doesn't that bother you a little bit to think about that? It's not of this world. It's God's kingdom. And, and I just want to say it's okay to admit that you struggle with this because I do too. But it is a better way. So I'm going to talk to you about it. But it rem reminds me of a country music song that I've heard on the radio 
uh, by Jaron and the long road to love. Listen to what he says in this song. He, this guy went to church after his, apparently had a breakup with his girlfriend or something, and he went to church, it had been a long time, and he heard the preacher talk about praying for your enemies, and this is what he says. He says, uh, I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you flying in a plane high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. <laughs> wow! That's a bitter guy, right? You say, that's just a song, but somebody had to be thinking that, right? Well, I want to tell you something. There's a difference in praying for somebody and about somebody. Okay? Many times, you and I are tempted to, when we pray, because we read this passage and say, okay, I need to pray for them. Many times we say, we, our prayer sounds something like this. Dear God, you know, uh, you know Alice, God, how she likes to talk a lot, God, and know what's the thing that she said about me. And Lord, I just ask you right now to just close her mouth up. I ask you, Lord, that every, Lord, let these warts broke out on her face or something like that. You know, you see what I'm talking about? We sort of pray that way, and then we get a little bit more spiritual, you know, and say, you know, God, Casey, you know, he's a good guy. And God, I'm just asking you to, you know, help him out, because he's been mean to me, God, and, and he had, what he said isn't right. And so, Lord, I just ask you to just let him suffer just a little bit. And Lord, let him know that I'm your child, and let him know, God, if he... He messes with me, he's messing with you. And, and that, God, you don't take this junk because I'm your child. Let him know, God, who you are. See what I'm talking about? Now, that's praying about someone. You will, never get, you will never get healed when you pray like that. We learn to pray for someone. When you pray for them, you pray, God, and you call their name out. And I really do ask you to help them because something's going on in their life that they're, call, they're trying to cause me this much pain. It hurts me, but I'm asking you to. Why, why would God want you to pray? Here's why. Whatever you pray about, you take into the presence of God. You hear that? Whatever you pray about, you take into the presence of God. And if you've got hate in your heart toward that person, or you've got you know, anger or whatever, as soon as you take it into the presence of God, you're taking them into the presence of God because you're praying about it. And when you do, the love of God begins to penetrate your heart and begins to heal you because you've taken it into the presence of God. Now, will it happen immediately? No! Like, there's, there's, listen, there's things that's happened to me that's taken me a year or so praying for someone that finally I don't have that feeling inside. You know what I'm talking about? So somebody that tells you, well, you just pray about it and forget it. Well, they're, 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 they're nuts. They're not human. It's not true. But the more you pray for them, the more God heals. Does that make sense to you? And so that's how we keep from retaliating. So I want to give you this, this next step to take with me. It says this. Number two says, on your next step, says, I will pray for those who try to, to bring harm to me or who have tried to bring harm to me. That you pray for them, not about them, but for them. Okay, we're at number three now. And number three is like, it's the icing on the cake. Like if we had a chocolate cake sitting here, this one's going to be like taking that big, thick layer of icing and put on it. You know that chocolate cake icing, it's about that thick. You know that when you cut it, it just slides through the cake. 
you know, and then, you, then when you go to cut the cake and you got the knife there and that stuck onto the knife and you just take your fingers and pull it back and... <laughs> Dear God, I want some chocolate cake right now, don't you? <laughs> this is it. So number three, if you want to live in peace, this is be at peace with myself. You write that down, myself. Romans 12, and listen to what he says. This is some of the greatest advice you're going to get from God's Word. Remember, it sets you free. He says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be what? Transformed. That means something's got to be different than what everybody else thinks. You can't think like everybody else. Be transformed by the renewing of your what? Of your mind. He said, once you do that, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, until you stop, uh, until you have a checkup from the neck up, until you get rid of stinking thinking, you're never ever going to get it. You're never going to have peace. You never, matter of fact, you're never going to think God's will is good until you begin to have a renewed mind because He said, like the world says this, and anything opposite of that is going to be a battle until you begin to, to get your mind renewed by God and by His Word. I would like to say this to you today and to tell you that the, the problem that's your greatest critic, greatest critic is you. And the problem with that is this. The problem is, is that you believe yourself over anybody else. You know that voice in your head? That voice in your head. You know, you talk to yourself and you believe yourself more than anybody else. I could sit here and tell you something, and you, you know, I could tell you something, and inside, right now, right now, while I'm talking to you, you got a conversation going on in your mind, and right now you're telling yourself either you agree with me or you disagree. And I could talk all day long, and it wouldn't matter. If you say in your mind you disagree with me, it's done. You don't believe my voice over your voice, you believe your voice. And here's the problem with that your voice is constantly telling you how stupid you are. Your voice is constantly telling you how you're never going to win. Your voice is always telling you how you're never going to make it. Your voice is always telling you what a loser you are. It's always telling you how that everybody else is better than you, how they're talking about you. Isn't it amazing how you walk into a room and people quit talking? Your mind doesn't just say, hey, they're saying good stuff about me. Hey! No, you walk into a room, they quit talking. Your mind says, they're talking about you. And you going, oh, man, man. See what I'm talking about? Your mind, what, what goes on between your ears is your greatest enemy. And let me just tell you something. If you talk to everybody else the way you talk to you, wouldn't nobody be around you. See what I'm saying? And so the problem is we have ant problems. Anybody ever had ants in your house? Like anybody ever had that? Okay, yes. Like aren't they hard to get rid of? Like, you know, you spray the spray. You like declare war. I kill you. You will die. Get out of my house. You throw this stuff away, you have the victory march, they're all gone. You come back home, they got another parade. We'll show you, sucker. You know, that's what it's like. Like, they, they carry like a flag or something, I don't know. They're hard to get rid of, aren't they? And the problem is, is that you have ants as well that you got to get rid of. And here they are. Are you ready for this? I want you to write this down. Ants stand for automatic, negative, Thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts. 
Automatic negative thoughts. Constantly telling you you cannot do it. Listen, until you learn to get this straightened out, you can't love yourself. And remember Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't love yourself, you're not going to love everybody else well either. And the problem in a, problem in a, a lot of your relationships is this, is that you've you got internal turmoil with you, and you can't love everybody else because you're mad at you, and it just comes out on them. And so we have to do it. Listen, look at this picture right here. This is what your head looks like right here. That's a parade going on. I thought I'd just scar you really good, you know? Just, ah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, isn't that gross? But that's what's going on. There's a parade going on in your head. Automatic negative thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts. I, you can never do this. All right, we can get rid of that picture. That's enough. We won't kill them. Automatic negative. You know, you'll never be better. You can't do this. You know, your marriage will never make it. It's never going to get better. You know, you can't have a child. You don't deserve a child. You know, you should, you'll never get this job. You're no good at this. You don't deserve the promotion. You'll never be good at school. You'll never be good at college. Everybody else is going to be better than you. You're going to be second class. You don't deserve the car. You don't deserve this house. You don't deserve it. And everything is negative, 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 negative. And so the Bible says you've got to renew your mind or you're going to go crazy. You're going to live your life as depressed and, and as a second-class citizen. But the Bible says when you renew your mind and realize that God's created you as in His likeness, He says then He gives you this ability to do better. Look what the Bible says, Romans 8, Romans 8 and 37. Know in all these things we are what? More than? More than conquerors through Him, which is Jesus who loved us. You know what more than a conqueror is? I didn't know. I heard a guy say this one time. said, you know, this guy went to work. He worked really hard. He got a new job. He said, oh, I conquered my job today. Uh, this week, I conquered my job. He comes home and he with this check. And he says, honey, I want you to know, your man worked hard. I conquered all week. She comes by and she takes the check out of his hand. He was a conqueror. She was more than a conqueror. Oh, well. I want to tell you today, you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. That means that, listen, what you feel like you can't, in your head constantly, I can't do this. It'll never be better. You know, my marriage can't make it. My relationships can't make it. You know, I can't be this kind of spouse. I can't be, you know, this person at work. I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's going on in your head. I'm here to tell you that you can. When people are looking at you or when you're saying to yourself that you can't, you get in God's Word and you realize that no, in yourself you cannot. But through Jesus Christ, I can. I am more than a conqueror. Would you say that with me? I am more than a conqueror. Amen? Listen, I tell, I have this battle all the time. I can't do this. I can't do that. But I get in God's Word. I renew my mind. And I am aware that it's not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit. I realize that I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. All things are possible through Him. It's not my ability. Yes, in my own strength, I can. But with Jesus Christ, I can. Amen? And you can. You can. More than a conqueror. We're not just skating by. We're not just getting by. No, he said, you're not just going to conquer. You're going to be more than that. You're better than, listen, your days are going to be better ahead. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. You're more than a conqueror. Don't you give up. Don't you shut up. You keep going on. You believe that God has better for you. You are more than a conqueror. Would you stand with me right now?
we have to remind ourselves that, that I am more than a conqueror. So right now, I want us to shout it out. You ready? I want you to, I want you to begin to outshout your voice inside of your head right now. You ready? On the count of three, we're going to shout, I am more than a conqueror. You ready? One, two, three. I am more than a conqueror. Come on. I am more than a conqueror. One more time. I am more than a conqueror. Let us stand and worship the King of Kings who makes us more than a conqueror. Amen. Hallelujah. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.